Good morning, Crossroads Ministries, and uh, welcome to Worship here this morning. Would you please stand as we uh, sing some songs and hymns of joy for our Lord and Savior. Amen. Joyful and triumphant, oh come ye, oh come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. Oh come with us, adore Oh come with us.
To God be the honor and the glory and the praise.
going to have a seat. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad that you're all here. Welcome to those joining us online. Crossroads, all of our guests, I want to welcome you and all of our guests. Please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. We have a gift for you. All of our guests, please stop by the Welcome Center in the foyer. has a Welcome Center sign right above it. And so stop over there and connect with the great people at the Welcome Center. So this week we have Ernie Haas coming up. So Thursday and Friday, two shows, 7 p.m., and uh, there's a concert, and then there's dessert in the gym. There are some tickets, and I say some, I, I like 20-some tickets left on Thursday. So if you would like to go, uh, you can get those tickets on our website. Um, both nights are going to be packed out. And so here's the thing. Be in prayer for both of these nights as we are going to share the gospel. So people are going to come for a concert. They're going to hear about Christ. So be in prayer um, just that, 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 the, that the harvest would, would be plentiful on Thursday and Friday. So be in prayer for those two nights. And then coming up on Christmas Eve, we have three gatherings, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., and all identical, and uh, we're looking forward to celebrating as a church on Christmas Eve. So come on out, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., and I encourage you, in your bulletin is a little handout. Take a picture for yourself so you don't forget the times, and give that handout to somebody and invite them to be with you on Christmas Eve. Uh, So use that little handout as just a tool, uh, a resource to be able to share um, our Christmas Eve times with somebody and invite them to come with you on Christmas Eve. And then we have two new studies happening in the new year. 
on January 3rd, which is that first Wednesday. So as we kick off Wednesday nights, uh, Dave and Sherry McNall are going to be leading uh, a marriage study. And so this is called Cherish. Uh, and it's a great book uh, by Gary Thomas, and they're going to be leading a six-week study. Uh, so for uh, husbands and wives, jump on into this. And so this is, you can register on our website, and this is a great opportunity to start the new year and say, hey, we're going to start off together and look at what does it mean to cherish one another. And so you can register for this study on our website or using the Connect card in front of you, stop by the Welcome Center, Grab me afterwards. Whatever we can do to, to help you get connected in this study would be great. Um, so this is January 3rd at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday night. And then on January 7th, we're launching Financial Peace University. And so this study is going to be happening um, at, at 9.30. And so you can register for this class online. And this is going to be how do we take what God has given us and steward it well and honor and worship him with our finances. So um, uh, Audie Eddie is going to be teaching this, and so we're looking forward to just having him and, and just being able to ha- learn from what uh, Dave Ramsey has so many great resources, and so Financial Peace University is going to launch on January 7th at 9.30. Go on our website, and you can read about both of these studies and all the information uh, that entails. So yeah, be, in, be, be on the lookout for all that stuff on our website, and hope you can get connected in one of these studies. Al, Pastor Al is here with me on stage talking about the birthday gift of Jesus. Yeah, we love Al. Um, but our goal, I see he's blushing now. Our goal is $100,000 that we would ask God to provide. And uh, so we're going to support local, uh, national, and international partners um, for the gospel, Al. So you're going to talk to us about someone very special. Thank you so much, Pastor Luke. Well, today we're going to highlight Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage in the Philippines. It was founded just after World War II on a very small island known as Guimars. And uh, the founder and his wife, uh, actually, he grew up an orphan, so he had a heart for orphans. He knew there'd be a great need for something like that after the war. And uh, so he was actually educated in the United States, went back to the Philippines for such a time as that. And currently they're working with 85 uh, children. They have orphans and outreach children. The orphans, of course, are full-time and and living there and cared for totally uh, by the orphanage. The outreach children are children that are, they do have families, uh, but their families are really struggling in such a way that they need extra help. Uh, So the fold provides education for them, personal needs. They help with food assistance and a lot of different uh, other areas. Because in the Philippines, there aren't government agencies that come alongside families to assist. Well, today we have a greeting video, and then we have a song that some of the outreach children uh, and the orphans were part of during a special Thanksgiving celebration. Greetings from the Philippines. Thank you for us. God bless you. Merry Christmas.
I think we could all, it's okay, give it up. I think we could all echo those words. I am so blessed. God is so good. And I am so thankful. As I was looking and watching this, I was starting to realize most of those children have been a part of receiving stuff from the birthday gift to Jesus all their lives. Because it's been about 15 years now that Crossroads has has helped uh, the Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage. So that's just, it's incredible to think of that. And I know this much, that those children and the adults working with them are extremely thankful for Crossroads Ministries and and what this church, what we've been able to be a part of uh, to the fold through the years. And I know personally our family is very thankful for a Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage because it was about 60 years ago that my wife uh, went to the Philippines, or she was already in the Philippines, she was born there, but went to the fold, to the orphanage, uh, as a baby, they estimated she was a month old or two months old. They gave her a birth date. They gave her name. They gave her home. They gave her love and education. And so we're just really thankful uh, for that place. Well, hey, church, this is really amazing. Uh, Pastor Luke had mentioned our goal is $100,000 for the birthday gift to Jesus. And let's take a look at what's come in. Isn't that incredible? Let's give it up and just say thank you, God. Right? Uh, it's amazing, and it's, it all happens by us just getting to do our part. And we encourage everyone to pray about your part. Ask God to help you to give more to Jesus and anybody else on your list. And let's just see what God continues to do. Remember, as we give and it's brought in and as it'll go out in the weeks to follow, there are going to be a lot of lives impacted. And I always view it like this. It's not about the short-term impact. It's about the lifelong impact. And we're getting to see God do that all over the world. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. God, thank you for us as a people being able to be a part of something so much bigger than us with the birthday gift to Jesus. And we want to thank you, Lord, for just allowing us and experiencing the faithfulness of your people. Uh, on a regular basis here at Crossroads. Father, we just ask that you would just continue to go before us. Lord, help us. And thank you, God, for the opportunity you give us to give back. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy gives sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know? 
that your baby boy has walked where angels trod. When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God, Mary. will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby Lord of all creation, Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day rolled the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am Mary, did you know? Christmas, eh? Never thought the day would come. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. Humbug! Who's in charge of this parade? When you find out, you tell me. All our holidays are always such a mess. That's ridiculous. <laughs> money, money, money. Keep the change, you filthy animals. Some people, they just lose sight of what's important in life. You must stop this whole thing. What? You sit on a throne of lies. Is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Happy birthday! One thing about trains. It doesn't matter where they're going. What matters is deciding to get on. Well, we are... All things Christmas for the next few weeks here. I'm excited about that Ernie Haas this uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, what an opportunity for our church to have somebody of that national level that's uh, out there singing for the Lord. Amen. So we're thrilled about all these opportunities that we have here Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you on Christmas Eve, uh, it's gonna, because it's on Sunday, we're doing that 11 o'clock. So normally, if it's not on Sunday, we don't get to have the morning, but there will be no 930 on that week. Just want, want you to let know there will be no Saturday night that week, no 930. Sorry, it'll be 11 o'clock and 3 and 5. So take that invite in your bulletin and invite somebody and watch what God will do. Amen? God is going to do great things as we, as we step out. So we're jumping into our, our message today. And as we do, um, I'm reminded that Christmas is the biggest holiday in the United States. 
Uh, people will spend more money on Christmas than any other holiday. They will spend, I looked it up, it said that this year they expect that Americans will spend $923 in gifts this year on Christmas. Uh, that's down from 937 from last year, okay? Just a little bit down. Um, <clears throat> but I want us to be thinking about this, uh, how Christmas is just a, a busy time. It's a time of a lot of festivities. However, as we're jumping into our message today and think about some of these movie clips that we've been looking at, some of the different backgrounds of these movies, uh, 180 years ago, now check this out, 180 years ago, a man wrote a story to describe the plight of the common workers and those children that were forced to work in the mines. The title was supposed to be An Appeal to the People of England on Behalf of the Poor Man's Child. However, some suggestions were made and a change came out of it and that made a story containing Bah Humbug, Jacob Marley, Tiny Tim, Mr. Fuzzywig, Bob Cratchit, and of course, Ebenezer Scrooge. And so today we're going to look at uh, a little bit of, of uh, Mr. Non-Christmas, I guess you could call him, right? Mr. Scrooge, he did not like Christmas. Let's roll that first clip here from the uh, beginning of A Christmas Carol. just getting some coal, sir, for the fire. It's going out. Poke it, sir. Poke it! Uncle, you don't mean it. I do mean it, sir. Merry Christmas. What reason have you to be merry? What right have you to be merry? You're poor. Well, what right have you to be miserable, then? You're rich. Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? A time for balancing your books and finding every item dead against you? I had my way, every idiot who went around with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Come, Uncle. Nephew, you keep Christmas in your way. I'll keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Then let me leave it alone, then. I still say Merry Christmas. That's all you do say. Much good it does you, much good it'll ever do you. I dare say there are many things I've got a lot of good from which haven't made me a penny profit. Christmas amongst them. You see, Uncle, I've always thought of Christmas as a time for good, not a time for profit. A kind, forgiving time. A time when men and women can think of others. I was never put an extra penny in my pocket, but I believe Christmas has done me good and will do me good. So I still say, Merry Christmas, Uncle. You said something, Mr. Cratchit. No, sir. 
Not a sound out of you, sir, and you'll make this a truly merry Christmas by losing your job. So we see Mr. Scrooge does not like Christmas. Mr. Scrooge is a wealthy miser. He's, uh, he's caustic. He's complaining. He's horrendously greedy. He makes the, the word miserable from a miser. You can understand how a truly miserable person is as a miser, and that would be Scrooge. Uh, Scrooge has a loyal nephew, as you see Mr. Uh, Mr. Fred there, right? So Fred, uh, the nephew, comes in, and uh, later on in the movie, he's asked why he's so kind to his uncle. Why is he not uh, repulsed by his uncle? Why does he not just write off his uncle? And he says that his, his offenses carry their own punishment. I have nothing to say against him. Um, and then who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. Scrooge is the one who's suffering from his ill whims. And so as you see this, this story that's played out, you see a radical transformation. There's three visions where uh, Scrooge uh, goes to, to bed that night and, uh, and he's taken by the three spirits, if you will, to the past, to the present, and to the future. And as he goes through this, he has a, a quite a transformation at the end. And then he comes out loving Christmas. And then the movie closes out and says that, well, you know, he, they said to this day he still loves Christmas more than any other man alive. So why does Christmas Carol resonate today? Why does the story of Christmas Carol resonate today? Uh, if you go to the, there's actually a blog for Dickens' blog. 180 years ago this thing was written. That's amazing to me that this thing is still the most, it's told over and over out of all the classics. You hear this one over and over. It was originally written as a book. There's been numerous movies on top of movies, plays. I mean, we did our own The Gospel According to Scrooge here years ago. I actually played Marley, if you can believe that. I think Marley got sick, and I think I was thrown into it like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so they put these chains on me, and I was uh, we had this, like, a big thing over there. It was kind of a crow's nest, I'll call it. And I'm up there, and I couldn't even, I could never, every night I did it, and I did a different line. And little did I understand that these were the classic lines of Charles Dickens, right? But why, are, why is this? Uh, you go to the Dickens blog and you'll find out. It says this, A Christmas Carol is a book that has everything. Great sorrow and great joy. Corruption and redemption. Poverty and pain. Hope and love. And, expre- and it expresses the deep belief that even the worst person can change for the better. You know, I think there's a part of us inside all of us that we see somebody that's uh, suffering. We see somebody that's that's really angry like that. When you can see that transformation, that is so attractive. We all are hoping to see that. And honestly, that's what we're here about is because that's what Jesus does to people. Jesus gets a hold of people, and he doesn't just make you like Christmas. Christmas, you know, whether you put up a tree and like decorations, that's that's up to you. Uh, Jesus is much deeper than uh, a season in December. He's every day, and he brings this joy. And so when we see this, this is why, as you're going through and you're, you're watching a movie like the Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, you're drawn into it because everybody longs for that. Everybody wants to see the good happen. Um, it might be, you know, Tiny Tim had a, a powerful line towards the end there. Yeah, Tiny Tim expresses the hope that when people saw his lameness, he says it might be pleasant to them. Uh, to remember upon Christmas Day, who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. And so today, as we remember Christmas, we're going to jump in and we're going to look at how Jesus changes lives. 
You know, Christmas changed people's lives. As you're looking at this, last week we looked from the eyes of Joseph. Today we're going to look through the eyes of Mary. Jump with me over into Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And uh, the scriptures tell us here, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and will bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so as we look into this powerful passage this morning, we're going to look at how Mary's life was completely changed. Oh, she was completely changed by Jesus. Don't get me wrong. You know, many people are longing for a change. But if you take Jesus out of the change, your change won't last. It won't be enduring. And so here is Jesus comes into Mary's world, actually coming into all of our world, but change all of our lives, but starts with Mary. And I want you to consider Mary this morning. Mary's life was completely changed by the life of Jesus. She was getting ready to be married. This is what was going on. Remember last week we talked about Joseph and how that Mary and Joseph had been, uh, they were betrothed to be married. This was the legal agreement that they were in. They were in a legally binding contract that there would be a year of no physical relationships. There would be no sexual relationship uh, until the marriage a year later. So this was this had a ceremony and this had a ceremony. And so the big ceremony was coming. She was waiting for this. And just think what's going on as a young person is planning out their life. Mary is believed to be around 14 years old at this point. And just think what's going on in her mind. She's planning out her wedding. She's thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to marry Joey. You know, she's going to marry Joey. And it's just going to be wonderful. And Joey's so strong. I mean, Joey's the man of my dreams. Like, that's what's going on in her mind. Uh, Listen, it says that he was a carpenter. The word there is... Tecton, and it means a physical hard worker. It's uh, it's not just like carpentry, because if you go to Israel, there's not a whole lot of forest. There's a lot of stone. So so I want you to think about Joseph out there swinging that hammer. 
swinging that sledgehammer, chipping away rocks, moving block, moving rocks, and, and like he's a hard worker. Maybe she's thinking, wow, well, my, well, my Joey, look at his muscles. I, I wonder if Joey's going to end up having his own business one day. And this is what's going on because that's what young couples do as they're getting married. You start to plan your life together. You start to think, wow, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> Unless you married me. Listen, you, you start to think this and you start thinking, wow, these are my future. These are my hopes. These are my plans. We're going to go rent an apartment and we're going to live there. And we're going to, we're going to, we, we're going to go two years and then we're going to have a baby after two years. And this is the typical plan of a young mom, a, a young lady before she even becomes a mom. She's a young bride to, to be. She's got the, the honeymoon plan. All this is on her mind. And yet what did God do? God interrupted her plans. God stepped in to time and interrupted her. He says, Mary, I've got a plan for you. And so, folks, I want us to understand this, that God's purpose is often different than our plans. Would you read that with me? God's purpose may be different than my plans. You know, you may have a plan in your life. Your plan may be the success to be successful. I, I think that Mary had very good plans. I think that Mary was a godly person. I think that she was seeking the Lord. Her and her husband were seeking the Lord. They, they were no doubt religious. They worshipped regularly in the synagogue. They went through the normal festivals of all the Jewish feasts. And they were, they were just normal people that are trying to follow God. And God comes along and says, Mary, you, I've got another plan for you. You are going to have a baby and you're not even married. You're a virgin. I'm going, to, I'm going to prove my power. I'm going to do what only I can do. Look, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, angel, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. She's just living her life. And all of a sudden this angel appears and the angel says, this is what's going to happen. And look at verse 29, jumping down to verse 29. But when she saw him, when she saw this angel and she listened to him, she was troubled at what he said. She was troubled at his saying and she considered what kind of greeting, what manner is this? What manner of greeting is this? One translation translates that word troubled as confused and disturbed. So I did a little background on that word troubled. I said, well, what does this word troubled mean? And in the Greek, it means agitated greatly. Wait a minute. I thought she's being talked to by an angel. She's agitated greatly. Like it is messing with her soul. It's messing with her inside. Like, what are you talking about? Me and Joey are getting married. And now you want me to have a baby. And so she went through this and she is troubled, she's confused, she's disturbed. She doesn't understand what's going on. Don't mess with my plans. And so God interrupts Mary. And I want you to know that many times God will interrupt your life. And when he does, those interruptions are often his invitations 
Those interruptions are his opportunities for you to be a part of his work. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe God is interrupting your life. Maybe you set out to do something really good that you thought was going to honor him. And all of a sudden, man, you got your feet, feet knocked out from under you. All of a sudden, you, you're facing a health crisis and it's derailed your whole life. You face the financial crisis. You face the relationship crisis. And all these things are happening. Maybe you're a young person. You were dating somebody as a young person. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're uh, seeking the Lord and you were into a relationship. You weren't married yet. You were into a relationship. And all of a sudden, that relationship broke off. And now God's going to provide somebody else. Maybe you're in a marriage and you're saying, man, I just want, it's hard, it's hard, man, it's a hard day. You're going to keep following God, you're going to keep looking to Him because you you say, well, this isn't the way I planned it. And those hardships are part of God's plan. Can, can we comprehend this and understand this? Because we live in America where everything is drop, drop, and roll. We run away from problems. God says to to follow Him, and as we follow Him and we see the problems could it be that God has given you a deeper sense of knowing Him? Could it be that there's something deeper than that job? Could it be that there's something deeper than what you had planned? And God says, I've got the plan. See, God, you look to God and you say, you're interrupting my plan. And God says, no, I'm inviting you to my purpose. God interrupts Moses. I want you to look at the Old Testament. God interrupted Moses. Moses was Moses had... Been raised in the court of Pharaoh. He goes out. So he did 40 years there. He goes out into the desert for 40 years. He's 80 years old, minding his own business, tending the sheep. And all of a sudden, there's a bush on fire. And it starts to talk. Like, you want to talk about interrupting your life. Bushes don't normally just stay on fire without being consumed. And they normally don't talk to you. I remember when I was a kid going down to... Down to uh, down to Gimbel's or Kaufman's down in Pittsburgh. They had the talking Christmas tree. I'll never forget that as a little kid. I was mesmerized by that. Imagine Moses. He's out in the desert and God interrupts and says, I've got a word for you. I want you to be my servant. David, the same thing happened to David. You know, David was tending his sheep. And as David is out there tending his sheep, God comes and says, I'm going to anoint you. I'm anointing you to be the next king. Like, like David didn't need to be king. Like, he's got his plans. He's rolling on his life. And God says, I'm anointing you to be the king. Uh, but there's a king already. His name is Saul. Yes, but David, you're going to be the next king. And so God does his work. How about in the New Testament, a guy named Saul? He had a plan. He had his own plans. And his plan was to persecute every Christian. He was killing Christians. He could not stand the followers of Jesus. And one day he's on the road to Damascus and a bright light knocks him over and he's blinded. Three days later, he's able to continue on and he goes on and he and he now becomes the greatest, one of the greatest followers ever of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Saul, God gave him a new name and he's now Paul. Paul went on to write many of the books of the New Testament. You see, God may interrupt you. Oh, you wanted to go this way, and God may say, we're taking a different course. Uh, you had a plan to marry someone. God had a plan for you to do something different. You thought that you were going to go to this school. God says, I'm going to choose a different school. I'm going to open up the doors at a different place. And the list goes on and on of the things that we struggle with. 
Mary tried to do what the angel could do. Like she, she's thinking, what, what, what could this angel mean? I'm sorry. She's looking at this angel saying, what does this angel mean? Whatever is God doing here? And I think many times we ask the same thing. What is God doing? Sometimes we shake our heads and we're, we don't understand. And, and maybe because we're sorting out the fear, we're sorting out the, there's, a, there's all kind of problems. And that's exactly what happens to you. Because when God comes into your life, many times people have fear. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And so what we, what we are encouraged to do, look here at verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And why is he telling her not to be afraid? Because she's afraid. She's perplexed. She is, the, the scripture says there, she's dazed and confused, if you will. She is troubled and beyond like, man, this is just too big for my head. And the scripture says, Mary, do not be afraid. This is what the angel says. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And folks, I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to trust God. That's what the message was to Mary. Mary, God has a plan. Mary, you had plans. God has another plan. Don't be afraid. You are highly favored. You have found favor with God. Do you know that you are favored by God? It's called grace. Do you know that your life today, you have found favor with God? Why? Not because of something that you did, but because of who he is. That's called the grace of God. Um, This is what happened to Mary. Mary had come and she had found favor with God, not because of something that she did, but because of something that God is going to do. Because of God's decision. You look through the scriptures. The scriptures show us all the time that God will bless whom he chooses to bless. That's his decision. And so as you're here today, you're seeking the Lord. Listen, you have found favor with God. You this morning said, I think I'll go up there to church this morning. No, let me tell you, God stirred something in your heart to be here today, and you have found favor with God. Uh, you remember the day that you opened your heart to trust Jesus, and that was the beginning of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, let me tell you, you have found favor with God. And you think, oh, look at all those events that happened. No, no, let me tell you, God was working incredibly in your life, and you have found favor with God because that's who God is. It's his grace. Favor is the undeserved blessing God uh, that God pours out on his children. And so Jesus calms our fears. When Jesus comes in, he calms our fears. You know, fears come from the past, don't they? You can look at the past, just like Scrooge. Man, they took Scrooge and they went all the way to his past. And as he looked at the past, he was afraid to go there. And when you read it, whenever you watch it, you see he couldn't, he didn't want to go there. Why? Because he saw pain there. And there was pain and it struck a chord with him. And I think for all of us, when we go to our past, there's pain. There's pain to some degree. And so we go to that past. And listen, there's also successes in your past. It's easy to be living still in past successes and not, not, uh, not facing the future. It's also easy to be stuck in your pain of the past. Listen, pain, we've all had some sort of pain. And so Scrooge went to the past, right? Uh, they, they took him to the present. I think that we all have fears of the present. 
There's things that you're going through right now that, man, are just downright fearful. And by the way, fear is between the rumor and the fact. The fact is, God loves me. I'm a child of God. The rumor is, oh, okay, I'm not going to make it today. The rumor is that God isn't with me. The rumor is that somehow I've offended God and I'm not valuable to God. You see, that's the rumor. But the fact is, you are the child of God. And this is where fear comes in. And as fear works into our life, the scriptures told Mary here, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, your fear may be of the future. You know, none of us know what the future holds. I think as people age, you know, there's a lot of fear in aging. What will it be like whenever I'm 80? Will I be here at 80? What will it be like when I'm 90? Oh, and then we think about eternity. Listen, there's fears. And as we walk down the journey, we can understand that we don't have to be afraid because we have the grace of God on our life. Jesus calms our fears. It is the truth that helps us conquer our fears. Catch that. Truth helps us conquer our fears. And we have the truth. Listen, Mary had the truth right there. Mary is looking at the truth. The angel says, you are highly favored of God. She also had the Old Testament scriptures. She knew the promises of God. She knew that one day a Messiah would come. So as you put the whole thing together, she is coming back to the truth. And the same thing must happen for us when we are dealing with our fears. Our fears, will we will squelch fear with the truth. Fear brings anxiety. Truth brings freedom. Truth helps us conquer our fears. And Mary had the truth coming from the angel, from the word. And you and I have the truth coming from God's word. And here's what we've got to understand today, folks, is this. The outcome belongs to God. God's called you to do something. You go do it. The outcome. The outcome is, God, the outcome is God's responsibility. However... Obedience is your responsibility. Did you catch that? My outcome is not my responsibility. I, listen, I, you're going to set out. You have a plan that you're going to go, and all of a sudden, illness comes, pain comes, calamity comes. All I'm called to do is be obedient. And as I'm obedient and I'm following God, guess what? God's in charge of the outcome. God's in charge of what your kids are going to turn out like. That was the biggest fear. What will happen to my kids? You know what? You can make the perfect environment. You can have the perfect home and your kid can still walk away from God. Who's in charge of that outcome? God is. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's the principle. That's the proverb that God gave us. But let me tell you, who's in charge of that outcome is God. It is God's responsibility. What's my responsibility is to train up the child. My responsibility is to be obedient, to follow the commands of God, to do what God's called me to do. And this is what Mary was doing. Look here what the scripture says, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible with God. Man, that's so powerful. God's ways will never be impossible with God. I think many people will take that verse and try and say, well, you know, I'm going to have my own way and nothing will be impossible. That's not what he's saying. He's saying God has a plan and nothing, because most of the time you can't comprehend God's ways. Nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now look at that. 
Look at the difference that the presence of Jesus makes. Jesus, the presence of Jesus will impact your life. And that's what happened. Mary is impacted by the presence of Jesus. And continuing on, this is so powerful. I love this next little passage here. Verse 39. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. This was her cousin that the angel had just told her about. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just catch this. Here comes Mary. She comes over to Elizabeth. Mary has just found out that the Holy Spirit's going to put this baby in her. And so let's say she's a week or two pregnant at this point. You really can't tell. She's not showing yet, right? So she's, uh, she's just kind of, it, it's still there, right? But she's pregnant. You go to see Ma- uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was old. She was barren. She had lived this whole thing of shame. And in that culture, to be barren was a shame. It meant that you didn't love God, that you had sin in your life or something of this nature. And so, so it was a, a, a position of shame. And uh, her husband, Zechariah, he was a priest and he was in the temple and he's working. At the temple, and he had a one-week service that he had to do. So during his one week of service that he was on in the temple, he's uh, he's serving the Lord. He's doing what God's called him to do. And an angel Gabriel comes to him, and Gabriel says, "Hey, you you and your you and your wife are going to have a baby." And he goes, "What are you talking about? We're barren. We're old. We wanted kids long ago. This will never happen." And then right there, boom! God shuts him up. He loses his ability to speak. He's mute for the next nine months for disbelieving God. Don't you find it interesting that we take disbelieving God so lightly today? You know, when we disbelieve God, there's some consequences. Like God's got the plan and you think you know better. You think that my way is higher than God's way. And we're, we don't like the disruption that God's given me in my plan. But, but I come before God, and, and this is what he did for Zechariah. He took Zechariah and he said, I'm taking away your voice. You can't talk. And so he muted him from that point on. And for the next nine months, he couldn't say a word during that pregnancy. And in comes Mary to that house. And she's pregnant with the Christ child. And inside the womb of Elizabeth is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is six months in the womb now. And look what the scripture says here. I love this. It says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard, verse 41, when she heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, then she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now catch this. The presence of Jesus. He's... In this little baby, little baby in the mother's womb, the baby in the next womb 
leaps for joy. And I've been reading a book by Dr. Amy Orr Ewing. And she talks in there about this passage. She's an apologetist. Apologetic, uh, apologist. And she talks in there. She says that she was pregnant with twins. And she says, I can tell you what baby's kicking is like and how uncomfortable that is. Um, she says, but to have a baby that leaps for joy in the womb. As soon as she heard the greeting, the baby, like John the Baptist is in, the, in his mother's womb and goes, Woohoo! Like there's joy. Now think about that. There's joy. It wasn't the Scrooge effect. It was this joy. Woohoo! I mean, I told somebody last night that I was going to do a backflip for that today, and, and I have been strictly forbidden to do that, right? Because there's no way I'm backflipping. Imagine this little baby doing a somersault inside that mother's womb, right? Here is a six-month-old baby recognizes the presence of the Holy One, of the Most High God, of Jesus Christ, right in the same room. You want to talk about wonder? You want to talk about awe of Christmas? There's your wonder. There's your awe. What an amazing thing that the presence of Jesus Christ does. And, and listen, verse 42, he says, uh, she says, she speaks with a loud voice. Very interesting here. Why did she speak with a loud voice? Because her husband couldn't speak for nine months. You want to talk about God validating women. He shut the man up. He did. He did. He shut the man up and he made the woman be an eyewitness. Got two of the first eyewitnesses to the, to the incarnation. Wow! Folks, let me tell you this. Why is that so important? Because in that day, a woman's voice was not heard. And God himself came down and said, Wow, I'm coming and look what he did. He works with Mary. He works with Elizabeth. And look what Elizabeth says. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And that word blessed there is a word that, uh, a Greek word that means to speak, to say well, to praise. It's eulogia. And it means to, to speak well. It's praiseworthy. So as he says, blessed are you among women. Like, man, the women are going to be talking. And you know what? 2,000 years later, we're still talking. You know, there's a, there's a balance when it comes to Mary. Some people will treat Mary as though she is a deity. And she was not. She was a human, just like you and I are. God found favor. It was the grace. God said, I am placing my grace, and this is what I'm going to do. Other people have disrespect, they'll, and sometimes in our because we say she's not a deity, they'll think that oh, there's there's no respect. Uh, we just we just treat that as nothing. No, I think that God did something very special here, and there's no place in your heart like your mom, is there? And God tells us here, blessed are you among women, man. She is blessed. Man, she is praiseworthy, uh, not and because of who was in her womb, not because of who she is. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed, praiseworthy is Jesus. And Jesus is the one. And listen, the, uh, the, Mary's role here was to be an obedient servant of God. Folks, you want to have a praiseworthy life? Women, you want to have a praiseworthy life? Be a humble, obedient servant of God. You know, I want people to remember me long after I'm gone. But they will not remember your arrogance. They will not remember your disobedience. 
that, you know, those things will not be the things that people will say, yeah, I want to be like that. Man, we're still talking about Mary today. Why? Because she was obedient to God. Mary's role as a mother speaks of something that's praiseworthy. It was the incarnation. Her baby was placed in there by God. The fruit of the womb, that is what is worthy of praise. And then she says, but this is grant, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Elizabeth gets it right. Elizabeth has her own miracle going on and she says, why is it I'm not worthy? Why are you coming to me? And she stood there in awe. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Folks, now catch this. This is really important. Blessing and belief belong together. Blessing and belief. God's doing something in your life. You got to believe Him. It's painful. You may feel lonely. You got to believe Him. Because when you believe the truth, that's when the blessing comes. When you believe the truth, that's when the blessing comes. Um, as we wrap up today, I want to want to encourage us. How do we respond to the gospel? Do we respond like Zacharias did? Who didn't believe the promise that he was given? Man, how lightly we take disobeying God. How lightly we take disbelieving him at his word. We can hear the word today. We can see the promise of God. We can encounter Jesus ourselves. And we can believe what is true. We can be happy and fulfilled. Look here. It says, blessed is she who believed. That word blessed there is a different word. We looked at blessed before. That was a word that means to, it was eulogy. It means to praiseworthy. Now it says blessed here. This is makarios. It means happy. Folks, your life will be most fulfilled. Happiness and fulfillment are to be found in believing the truth. And I want to encourage you today to find your happiness and fulfillment in Jesus, not in anything that this world can give you, but in Jesus Christ alone. Have you ever been scammed? You ever ever bought into something? You ever bought something on Facebook and... Oh, yeah, I'm just going to buy this and I'll send them the money and it's gone. They're total. You can't find them anymore, but they got your money. You got scammed. When you come to Jesus, that's not what happens. When you come to Jesus, you get happiness and fulfillment in the truth of who Jesus is. And so today as we wrap up, I'm going to wrap up with this thought on Scrooge. Scrooge, his life was changed. Our lives are changed by Jesus. Jesus changes lives. So I'm going to roll this final clip here on Scrooge here. Good morning, gentlemen. How good to see you. Good morning, madam. It's a beautiful day. Good morning, my dear. What a lovely day. Fine snowman. Fine snowman. Ha ha ha, gotcha!
So we see a life that's transformed. We see a life that's a new man who goes out and he can help other people. He can make a difference. He gives away his money. Generosity becomes everything. You know, that's exactly what happens to us whenever we come to understand an eternal perspective. You know, this is what happened. They took Scrooge to the, to the, to the past, to the present, to the future. And what, what would end up happening, and he's looking at his own grave. And as he looks at his own grave, he looks through there, and then he wakes up in his home. And he's changed. And folks, that's what we need is an eternal perspective. Because our eternal perspective has got to be about Jesus. Because Jesus changes lives. You have an option. Your option is to live with sorrow, frustration, anxiety, disappointment, or to trust And a person who is the truth, the way, the life, and the truth. And he will transform your life. And God will do the work. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this. Whenever a person turns to the Lord. uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He's talking about the law. When the person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Spirit of the Lord, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
God will change your life as you come and place your faith in the truth of who He is. Because He's doing the transforming work. Let's close in prayer. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Today we've looked at how Mary and Elizabeth, their lives were changed. Jesus wants to do something in your life, but it's going to change. There's going to be some sort of interruption. Today I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to surrender. Just calmly today, come to Jesus. And Jesus says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And So if you've not yet started that relationship with Jesus, today's the day. Start that relationship with Jesus. If you have been a follower of Jesus Christ, if that's you, I want to encourage you, just humble yourself before God and say, God, what areas do I need to obey you in? Lord, what areas do I need to trust you for the outcome in? What hard places am I in that I am perplexed this morning because you told me to obey and I'm struggling, Lord. Come before the Lord. And when you believe the truth of who He is, your joy will be restored. Father God, be with each person in this room today, Lord. God, there's probably a few in the room that have not yet opened their heart to Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you've not yet opened your heart to Jesus. Would you, would you call on Him and just pray something like this to Him this morning? Just pray, Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner today. And I believe that you are my Savior. You came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross to pay for my sin. You were buried. And you rose again the third day. I invite you into my heart and soul right now. God, be with those that have just opened their heart to Jesus now. Be with all of us, Lord, as we are all challenged, like Mary, to not be afraid, but to believe and to obey. And let you figure out the rest. God, thank you for transforming our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's all stand together today and be dismissed. I want to encourage you to greet a few people around.